Hi, everyone. Welcome to Obsessed with casting directors Danielle Alfiero and Amber Horn. Danielle and Amber are nominated for a 2019 Ardios Award for the show Andy Mack on the Disney Channel. Now, whenever I tell kids I know people that work on Andy Mack, I become instantly popular. Now I just got to figure out what to say to adults. I recently sat down with Danielle and Amber at their office on Larchmont Boulevard. They share their space with another casting director, Barbara Fiorentino. To tell you the truth, I think they must have hired someone from HGTV to set the place up because it's got such a cool, zen feel to it. You feel at home the moment you walk in the door. And if you're an actor in Los Angeles, you know how many casting offices are on Larchmont. Seriously, you can throw a gluten-free muffin in any direction and it's probably going to hit a casting director. I'm really excited to be sitting with two good friends of mine who are nominated for a 2019 Ardios Award for the project Andy Mack, could you please introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Amber Horn. And I'm Danielle Alfiero. They are fantastic casting directors, and they make a team like no other. And there's something that the listeners don't know unless they have ESP, and that's that I love you both. (laughs) It's true. We have history. We do have history, and we love you back. Thank you. That's so nice of you to be the only one to say that. Um... (laughs) Danielle, you and I worked for the same casting director at different times, but that's how we met. And I always knew like you were going to do big things. You were super confident. And my good friends, Krisha Bullock and Jenny Treadwell, were always asking me the same question. They said, oh, do you know Amber Horn? (laughs) And I always say, no. I said, I can't believe you don't know Amber Horn. I was like, well, I wasn't invited to any Amber Horn parties, so (laughs) I don't know how this is going to work out. And then one day I was. Danielle, you were roommates with my manager at the time, Eric Kind, and Mm -hmm. you were having a birthday party. And in walked Amber Horn. (laughs) And Amber Horn is like Tinkerbell. (laughs) There's a glowing light that follows her wherever she goes. That is the truth. I finally understood why everyone was questioning. So I'm happy that we're friends and I'm happy you guys are taking the time with me today. Thank you. And listeners, if you're ever looking for Amber Horn, just follow the light. Oh, Oh, you guys are too sweet. true, actually. Oh, I love you both. Okay, so let's talk about Andy Mack. First, I want to know, how does it feel to be nominated by your peers? We're so honored and we're really so excited. Uh, yeah, this is this is a special one for us. So they're all special. We love all our little babies, but this one, this one, we're really exceptionally proud of. My homegirl's on that show, Lilan Bowden. Yeah, she's, she's awesome. Amazing. She is. She is. How did you guys find her? Well, she came second. The first process was we searched for Andy. We saw probably three thousand girls for Andy. We put out the breakdown for girls looking for um, an actor between the ages of 11 and 13. And we tested, um, I guess the breakdown went out for a 13-year-old, and we ended up reading girls 11 to 13. We tested an 11-year-old and I think two 13-year-olds. This was something that we had learned from Nikki, Ricky, Dickie, and Dawn, that when they were looking, we knew when the network was looking for early teens, 
that they really wanted preteen so that they mm-hmm. can grow with the show. Mm-hmm. So that's something that Amber made a point to make sure we saw some girls younger than what they thought they wanted. Yeah. And we, um, when we search for lead of a show, we search all over the country and the international yeah. too. Yeah. And for this particular character, we um, were just looking for someone who brought the character to life. Uh, Terry Minsky, the creator of the show, wrote it for a neurotic little Jewish girl was the oh, character. Wow. And um, but we saw the world and the little girl who came in um, to read for Andy. We thought that she might be best for um, the best friend as well. And then we decided to keep bringing her in for Andy and Peyton Elizabeth Lee is who plays our Andy and um, everyone fell in love with her and she is Chinese American. And um, yeah, so we cast her and then we had to find her parents and find out that um, the big reveal in the pilot is that um, her sister is not her sister and her sister is actually her mother. Mm. And um, her mother had um, her as a teen pregnancy and couldn't, um, didn't know what to do and decided to let um her parents raised the baby. So once we had cast Peyton, the challenge was to cast the quote unquote grandparents, uh, well, actually parents, quote unquote parents <laughs> and the actual grandparents um, to make it believable throughout the pilot or throughout this little girl's life that they could be her parents. And then also find somebody for her actual mom that is believably her sister age wise, as well as her mom age wise. And as as well as the ethnicity to make sure it worked. So that's when we kind of narrowed it down. And when we found Lilan, it was, it was so clear. She's just so, she's so gifted and funny and, and thankfully a physical match. And, um, she just shone from the beginning. She was actually told in the room, which is really rare. We've yeah. done several shows for the Disney channel now that she got the part, which is really cool. Oh, and the other thing, Oh, she was stoked. The other thing about Lilan was that she was genuine. It's hard to find adults who are genuinely excited to be a part of a children's program. She was genuinely excited and grateful and, um, looking forward to it. She knew the value of the show and, and that showed from the beginning too. Well, the show is a hit. Like it's an undeniable hit. And I think it's interesting that you guys are nominated for it because sometimes it's hard to get other casting directors who, you know, are busy working on their shows and they fall mm-hmm. in love with it. But to also acknowledge that a show like this deserves to have a lot of credit go to the casting directors. Another really big role we're super proud of is um, the another character on the show it, it reveals himself that he um, is questioning his sexuality. And um, it was really cool for a Disney Channel show to have that in a storyline. And when we were casting that role, we did know that that storyline was going to be there. And we had to find a child who would be willing to play that role. And could pull it off. Because it was was a pretty deep scene. Uh, It was was some some hard acting that they had to do. And Danielle and I had seen a a screener of a movie um, that had played at a festival and Gersh had shown us this movie, this tennis film. And we'd seen this little boy, um, Joshua Rush, play this great role. And um, when we read the script, I didn't think that there was anyone else who could play this role except for him. So when we asked to bring him in, he originally passed. And I called um, his agent and said, oh my goodness, can he please reconsider? Could he just at least come in and talk to our creator? Because I can't imagine anyone else being better for this role. And he came in and he talked about um, how he felt about the character and how he'd experienced similar things with friends in his life. And um, then he decided to read for it. And 
there was nobody better and he was cast in the role. So that was a really cool process that we were really proud of. It's great. And actually that, uh, that role and that actor, they're getting a lot of mentions on TV and magazines because of how open that show has been and how good the acting is. Yeah. Glad has recognized us and the Peabody awards recognized um, our show as well, which is really cool. You guys are casting TV and film at the same time, which is really (laughs) impressive because I know they're, they're different worlds. They have different masters. Is it oftentimes, is it difficult to balance the two one, you know, with television, you're answering to the writer producers and with film, I think you're still answering to the director, correct? It really depends. Every yeah. project's in independent. We work in independent films. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of um, a little a little bit of a whatever, <laughs> whatever comes to us. Sometimes we answer to the director. Sometimes uh, it's the, sometimes the financiers have a final say. But usually it's the directors and producers that that will have the final say in an independent film. Um, and we do feel like it is difficult, but at the same time, it's so rewarding to have both of those media in our in our uh, wheelhouse because it keeps the variety. The variety is a spice of life. So mm-hmm. we have the the TV shows that reach a, such a wide audience that we get to be a part of, and then we have these indie films that reach a really specific audience that we get to to see see it through from the beginning to the end and, and see the director's vision and help the director and the writers and the producers get their vision um, exactly how they yeah, want Yeah, sharing it. those stories are really important. Yeah. And through independent film, we're able to help those stories come to life and share those stories with the world. We're lucky that the last three consecutive years we've had a film at Sundance. And wow. we know that that is um, quite an honor because there's a lot of movies that are submitted every yes. year. Have you ever gone to Sundance to see them? Oh yeah! yeah our, Anytime we have a movie in a in a festival, we try to go if we can. Our first film was Sound of My Voice, which was our very first film um, that went to Sundance, and we went, which was two thousand eleven. Yeah, two thousand eleven. And then we didn't have another one for another like six years. Or yeah, something. we had a dry spell, <laughs> and uh, but we've done over fifty independent films. Wow. And that dry spell is probably something like you dream to have a break at any time because <laughs> you guys are working so much now. I mean, multiple television oh, yeah. projects on its own at the same time. It was a. Dr- it wasn't a dry spell of work. <laughs> it was. Oh. It was just a dry spell of getting into Sundance. Right. Oh. Uh, but we've been uh, knock on all the wood. We've been consistently working since we started. I think you know when we first started in 2010 on our own, we really just had this this work ethic of let's just do it, whatever it is. Let's let's do it as long as it's not against our morals we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna do it if there's people especially if there's people that we want to work with Mm -hmm. and that i think is what really helped us along the way is is helping everyone that came to us i feel like even if you weren't working in casting together if casting didn't exist the two of you would have found each other and you'd be working at Seas Candy together or some other place <laughs> causing sure. trouble like Yeah, Lucy we'd be we'd maybe I, like have an act on a cruise ship. Or... <laughs> For sure. Danielle and I joke that when we're 80, we're going to become actors and slay the town <laughs> because we're going to be the best auditioners. <laughs> oh, for sure. Can you tell me how you guys met? 
Yeah, we were working on Moonlight, um, which was a TV show on the Warner Brothers lot. It aired on CBS. It was about vampires. And um, that's when I first met Danielle. Danielle had heard... Um, I heard about... I heard the legend of Amber. <laughs> so I was working uh, for Barbara Fiorentino and Rebecca Mangieri and Wendy Weidman. And before I had gotten to them... Amber had worked for them and they just raved about her. And I'm like, who is this girl? I got to meet her. Were you um, jealous or did you actually want to meet her? No, I really <laughs> wanted to meet her. We, it's, it's a very collaborative environment okay. in the office we were at. So there was never a, wait, I want that project or yeah. no, I yeah. want this. It was always a, let's see how we can fit everybody in. Right. Danielle and I do that as well. We're yeah. pretty good about trying to make sure our staff always has great jobs to work on or we're always making sure everyone has something to do. And we're always pretty good about asking our staff um, if they would like to work on a particular project, because sometimes um, sometimes they don't, the answer is no. They don't exactly, which no. we just found out. They don't. So certain things don't resonate with them, and if their heart's not in it, then they're not going to be excited to work on it. But that's probably also one of the reasons you guys are able to have a staff that continues along with you. A lot of people travel from office to office, but you guys have a oh yeah, we, we got staff. our claws yeah. in them. They're, we know they're good, so we don't <laughs> want them to go. <laughs> yeah. We, try to keep them happy and really reward them and make sure we check in with them often and get really good feedback from them and make sure they because when amber and i first started back in 2010 we did we didn't have a staff we did literally every little thing on our own we just know the value of that so now that we get to have a staff we truly appreciate everything that they do for us and they're they're the backbone of the business mm-hmm. wow yeah. That's a pretty impressive thing to say. There's not many people who will say that, but it is the truth. It's sort of like if you go shopping and the, your salesperson is rude, that's the impression that you have of the, the store, store and you don't go back, yeah. even if yeah. the store sells great clothing. Right. Yeah. You guys have an interesting collaboration with Barbara Fiorentino. You guys share an office. She is like you in the fact that she is so sweet, so funny, and also beautiful. <laughs> She was the first casting office I worked with. I worked with Barbara, Rebecca, and Wendy. So Barbara Fiorentino, Rebecca Mangieri, and Wendy Weidman. The three of them were partners at the time. And um, that was the first company I worked with. And the three of them ended up um, not being partners, all three of them together anymore. And Barbara came to Danielle and I and said, hey, I need office space. And so that's how it kind of started. Yeah, and I had met... I had come to LA with some casting experience in New York and was working a lot in reality TV and I just literally wanted to gouge my eyes out. And, <laughs> and then my first uh, scripted job was uh, working on a season of CSI Miami. And I thought I was going to just kind of head back to New York after that. And then I saw a posting that Barbara was looking for an associate for a pilot. So I was like, let me give that a try. Otherwise I'm, sticking out this season and heading back. And thankfully I did because the second I met Barb, she um, wanted to hire me and I and I stuck it with them for a couple of years until Amber and I felt like it was, well, we kind of separately decided it was our own <laughs> time and then came together after the fact. Yeah, I actually left um, California during the writer's strike and went to Texas and started working with actors in Texas and putting them on tape and had a little studio, self-taping studio, and worked with actors kind of right at the start of when self-taping was really getting going. People started really watching self-tapes and considering them um, the same value as if someone was coming in the room. And uh, that's actually when I met Krisha Bullock. 
as mm. I helped Krisha was casting a project and she needed help and she was doing like a nationwide search for the untitled Dan Schneider Christmas movie. Mm. And of three of the people that I had taped ended up in her movie from Texas. And so um, that's how I kind of got to know her, which was really cool. But um, when we came back from the strike, that's when um, I reconnected with Danielle and Danielle had gone on an interview. She'd been asked to interview on a really cool project. You want to tell that story? Uh, I was working for Carmen Cuba and she had this, we had this job that didn't pan out that I was going to go to New York to help her do from there. And uh, she felt so bad that the job didn't pan out that she handed me this ultra low budget script and was like, I'm not going to be able to do this, but you should meet on it. And so I met uh, Zal Butt and and Britt Marling and that movie was Sound of My Voice mm. and I got the job and then realized oh can I say shit? Yeah totally. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> I don't want to do this by myself and then Amber was coming back to town I was like do you want to just do this movie with me? We're making <laughs> literally no money. <laughs> We're making a cup of coffee. <laughs> do you want a second cup? Uh, and so we did that movie together and it it was such an awesome experience every step of the way even the difficulties were and the challenges were really rewarding and while we were in the middle of that amber got a call about a movie and then we just kind of just kept it rolling since was that then. the lamp it was one of those or it the was brother's the keeper yeah we did like two movies two different friends of mine had just coincidentally reached out within like weeks of us starting the sound of my voice feature and um one of the films had a good amount of money and so we were able to use that money to like sustain for a while and then after those features were done then danielle and i decided to move into our own office and anthony mindel the awesome director and acting coach is the one who was like build it and they will come we were really nervous to move into our own office space and we moved over to the wilshire and la brea the famous samsung Mm -hmm. Asahi building so we moved in there and um yeah the rest was kind of history I think that we just continued saying yes 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 and um work started coming our way even having the opportunity to say yes is a win so absolutely for actors it's a it's quite a parallel because there are only so many roles out there as there are only so many casting projects and if you are lucky enough to get in the room for the casting director in an in an actor's perspective to say, you know what, you're not the right choice for this, or maybe let's take it further for you guys to have so many opportunities for people to offer you in the room meetings and then that turning into work. That's just fantastic. Yeah. We're very grateful. We, we understand how difficult it can be and we've been grateful every step of the way. And we really try to help out our friends, our colleagues, friends of ours who are also casting directors or switching from being associates to casting directors we're really cognizant of that and really try to forward them really great independent features that we're not able to work on or TV shows that we've been sent that we're not able to work on. We've passed on. Um, Danielle and I really feel that if we can't give it our all, we don't want to work on it because it's our name on the project. So um, we don't like to pass off the work to someone else in our office. We'd rather do it ourselves or really truly recommend another casting director and give them the opportunity. What an awesome thing. I'm sure there are many people out there who appreciate being able to get their first casting credit from you guys. And it happened to us too. It happened for us with Barbara and with Carmen and 
and Monica Mickelson has been yeah. has been just you know instrumental. godsend and instrumental mm-hmm. godsend for us. So you know we just want to pay it forward too. Mm-hmm. Monica and I are from the same like hometown area. Aww. She's and the we, best. We have the same wacky <laughs> sense of humor. She is the best. She's great. I'd like to jump around a little bit if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. So earlier we talked about doing searches for actors sort of countrywide. Uh-huh. And I know before the internet got so big in casting, the networks would hire regional casting directors mm-hmm. to go out to Florida or go out, you know, work in New Orleans, wherever it is. Are you guys now doing all of it yourselves? Has it, that changed? It depends. So we just finished a movie that's shooting in upstate New York and we did a pass of New York actors and um, had them put themselves on tape. But we weren't finding quite the local locals. You know, we were finding New York City actors that were willing to go upstate, but we weren't finding actual locals. So we did hire a casting director in Hudson Valley uh, for the upper New York State. We did that for another movie, An Evening with Beverly Loughlin. We hired a local casting director in Northern California that was not near San Francisco, which is just an area that we don't really have a reach for. And it's just that much extra work. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we're, if we're available for that extra work, we'll just do it. But we like to help out the local casting directors because if there's, if they have it in the budget, then let's use them whenever we can. But you know, we're pretty versed in, in actors all over. We know agents and managers and actors from all over the world. We, we've taught all over the world before. So, um, you know, we like to, to at least put in our two cents, even if there is local, casting just to make sure that it's all part of all our same aesthetic right and when we were just telling us that story and you had actors who were willing to work local versus actual local hires is that making more of a difference now when an actor is being cast it is i don't know you know i don't like actors having to do that but i understand an actor wanting to do that Mm -hmm. because i like to travel so (laughs) I'm like, I'll be a local hire. I, we did, we shot a movie. We did a movie that shot in the Bahamas and they needed to find locals. And I'm like, yep, right here. So they sent me to the Bahamas to help them cast some locals, which was an amazing experience. So, you know, if I, if I probably would have gone on my on own Bimini, dive. There was definitely not a local cast director on yeah. Bimini. <laughs> there might be one in Nassau. But. Right. So, you know, when you're still trying to like, get your career together and, and there's a project that speaks to you and you're willing to say, you know what, I'll go hang out upstate or I'll go hang out in, in Georgia or whatever just to get this job because it's worth it, that's the actor's decision. And, and I honor that. As much as I will try my best to see if production can cover it, knowing that that's the best actor for the role. We're very aware that there are SAG rules, though, for, yeah. for example, like the Atlanta office, you know, with I think it's like 60 miles the crow flies, yeah. right, is the rule technically if someone needs to have an address to consider them a true local. Um, so we are aware of that. So we try to um, play by the rules as well. I hadn't thought of that before. So our do casting directors constantly have to stay up on the rules of the actors union, even though those rules keep changing? We're pretty lucky we that we get, <laughs> yeah, we get emails every once in a while of um, different like forums and yeah. different um, talks that will happen that we can go to. There's it's, one coming up about pay rates yeah, and stuff. And it's near impossible to 
know it all and know the updated information. Mm-hmm. The actors don't even know. Yeah. And new media is really changing a lot. And that one, um, any talk on that, we would jump at the chance to go to. A lot of the, the children's labor laws and that stuff, Amber knows really well. So there is stuff because we work in the kids space a lot mm-hmm. that, that we do have to know. But it's, I'm always of the, let's just call and ask just to double check yeah. camp. We love discovering um, new people is one of our favorite things to do. Old, young, every age. Um, we love giving people their first job. And one really beautiful thing about working in the kids space is that we have given a lot of people their first big break, really. Uh, Milo Mannheim is one. We just did the big zombies movie and it's really been cool seeing him on dancing with the stars his one credit now he's on dancing with the stars and he's doing really well he just made the semifinals, which is cool so for actors who are listening to this podcast and perhaps they haven't yet jumped into the space of professional acting can you tell me the difference between a casting assistant a casting associate uh, and a casting director sure Uh, So an assistant will usually handle a lot of the uh, basic administrative stuff around the office, scheduling, uh, answering the phone, answering the phone, setting up the, setting up the camera, helping run a session. Mm -hmm. An associate should be able to do most of the tasks the casting director does. They should be able to run a session. They should be able to give direction. They should be able to put together a list. A casting director is usually hired because of their experience. So you need to kind of have a, a repertoire of of what you know and the actors you know and and the way you're able to work and the relationships you have with the agents and managers. And then also be able to run a session and give direction and put together a list and come up with ideas and have epiphanies. And <laughs> Our biggest know. thing, too, is we trust our associates on the phone with our creators and our directors um, and then to pass on the information to us. So when we're not available to jump on those phone calls, that we trust them implicitly mm-hmm. to, to so, handle all of that. So they're well trained by you guys and mm-hmm. how your specific office is going to work and what your tastes are and what you like and how you like to communicate with the clients. That's sure. why you trust them. Yeah. And it's usually once we're into a project that that trust will happen because we need to make sure we know what the what it is that the directors and the creators are looking for and how to interpret it. So we have to make sure that's what I think one of the most important parts of this job is being able to to show the a director or a creator exactly what they want and even something more than what they wanted and be able to translate their taste. So that's something that I think that as a casting director we've kind of reached that point of we're able to do that that an associate can learn throughout the process of the project and get there. That was a good explanation. Thank you guys. Sure. Now, Danielle, you said that you had some casting experience in New York before coming to Los Angeles. Can you tell everybody how you decided on a career in casting and what that progress looked like? Yeah. I tell this story a lot because it's a good one. Um, So apologies if anybody's heard it before, but I graduated college with a, a degree in literature which means I get to read for a living, <laughs> I guess. I'm not sure. Uh, my first job out of college, I worked for, um, I worked in the fashion industry. I worked at Bloomingdale's on 59th Street. I worked in the garment district and I really just hated life and needed a change. And my roommate in New York worked for ESPN in advertising sales. I didn't know what that was. 
but it sounded better <laughs> than what I was doing. And so she said, I'll, I'll help you. I'll get you some um, meetings and interviews. So I wound up working at A&E and History Channel in advertising sales. Still quiet, kind of didn't really know <laughs> what I was doing, but I did a good job. But it bored me, and I wasn't excited by it. And it was one of those jobs that I was grateful to have a job because it was a good one, and the company was a great company, but it wasn't fulfilling for me. So I was still the girl who could would complain about her job. And one day, my friend in the cubicle next to me was just like, you got to stop. It's time. En- enough. Do something about it. He just kind of saw how annoyed I was every day and frustrated. <laughs> and so... When he said, just kind of, just enough, stop complaining, just do something about it, I didn't know what to do about it. And he said, well, what's your dream job? And I said, to be a casting director. And he said, well, then just go do that. And I was like, I don't know how. And then he gave <laughs> me the phone number of a friend of his who worked at Miramax. And he's like, he can't help you, but he'll give you advice. So I called that guy and he goes, you got to intern. Here's my friends. They just started a casting company. I'm sure they can use interns. And I'm living in New York City. I'm like, I can't work for free. And it kind of just all, I met those guys and they were like, yeah, of course, come work for free anytime. And I'm like, (laughs) impossible. So through a whole chain of fortuitous events, I wound up working for them as an intern and quickly loved it, immediately loved it and immediately was good. I started pretty adept. I was pretty good at it from the start and learned very quickly. And so they decided to keep me on full time. And uh, in New York, kind of like how actors have it, it's, it's, you just take every job you get because there aren't that many. Mm-hmm. And back then there were, it was 2005. So there was maybe two TV shows, a soap opera and the Sopranos. And there was a bunch of indie films. We would do music videos. We would do industrials. We would do print ads. We did commercials, anything. And so I was like, I'm going to move to LA for a year or two and get some experience in the TV world and come back with this amazing resume. And that was 2005. So I definitely have the TV experience now, (laughs) but just never made it back to New York, much to my parents' chagrin. It's a good story. Sometimes when I hear about people's paths that they follow to get here it does turn there there's one turn in the road that if you're not paying attention you miss and if you're mm-hmm. smart enough to try to follow it mm-hmm. like you did yeah trying something new you end up finding your life's passion yeah miss amber beautiful light amber can you tell us your story yes i always um loved casting when i was younger i did not know that it was a job i used to watch full house when i was a kid and always loved the guest stars and the the day player roles that would come in. And um, when I was in college, I switched from a business major to um, to cinema. So I have a degree in cinema, a Bachelor of Arts of Cinema. And when we were doing our final senior year film, I nominated myself as the casting director and nobody voted for me. They voted me as the producer. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm not supposed to be the casting director. But I ended up still doing a lot of the casting, just recruiting extras on the street to be in like our bar scenes and getting anyone who... Um, possible to be in our movies. Um, And then when I came out here, I worked in development. I was an intern um, at Evolution Entertainment, which was Mark Berg and Oren Koulis's company. And um, a couple months into being an intern, the main assistant on Mark Berg's desk um, was no longer working there. And he came and I don't even think he knew my name at the time and said, you, you're my assistant. So I was working as his assistant for a couple months. And then 9-11 happened, probably only about two months or three months. And 9-11 happened. And um, 
that was a big turning point for me um, when 9-11 happened because the world, it kind of made me reevaluate everything. I really wasn't happy. It really wasn't what I wanted to do. I was um, lucky at that point um, to have seen a little bit of things in production. I continued to um, leave that job um, quickly, like, I guess about a month or so after that, I decided to leave that job. I was studying for the LSAT. I decided I was probably going to go to law school. Um, I went home for Christmas that year and our house burned down. And so it was only a few months later. So that was like a rough year. And when our house burned down, I was like, okay, what am I doing? I'm only going to law school now because I didn't like working in development. Um, So I came back to L.A., decided not to go. I convinced my parents to go to the Olympics because we didn't have a house to live in at the time. So I was like, well, let's just go to the Olympics. We went to Salt Lake City that year. Um, so then after that was over, I came back to L.A. and um, found a job in production, um, worked on a TV show. I think it was called Rock Me Baby, which was the name of the show. I worked um, for the line producer. I was an assistant, which was really cool. I got to see a bunch of different aspects of like how a sitcom TV comes together every week, which is really cool. And at that point, I really got to see the casting director. Susan Vash was the casting director on that project. And I got to see what she was doing. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is really what I want to do. I really do want to be the casting director. So I was reminded of what I liked so much in college was my favorite part of putting our movies together was the casting process. Um, So a family friend of ours, uh, my dad's family friend, his name's Pat Riley. He used to coach the Lakers. He coached the Heat. He was the president of the Heat. He was really good friends with the Bruckheimers. He reached out to Christiane Reed, and I got to go have um, a little meeting with Christiane Reed, and she offered me um, a potential job to go work with Jonathan Littman, and I was like, oh, I'd already just worked for a producer. I knew what it was like being an assistant to a producer. That really wasn't what I wanted to do, and I said, I really want to work in casting, and I thought I shot myself in the foot because I'm turning down this one job. And I left the meeting and I called uh, my dad. I was like, gosh, the only connection. I know nobody in Hollywood. The one favor someone randomly does for me, I like say no to. And the very next day on a Saturday, she called and said, there's a casting director named Barbara Fiorentino who's doing a pilot for us at Bruckheimer. And they, um, they're they losing their assistant in like a couple of weeks. We'd love for you to go meet with them today. So I went over and met with Barbara and Wendy that Saturday Um, And Wendy had just started working with Barbara and Rebecca. And um, yeah, I worked with them for about six years, I want to say. And that's led me to eventually meeting Danielle. So that's my story. I feel like that story should be turned into a script at some point. Right. That that had a lot of turns to it. There are details in that story she didn't tell that would not be allowed in a script. Yeah, there are a few, few wild details. I had a wild start. Well, now that we all know each other better, I still love you. Um, I'm going to let you guys go back to your work day. I yes. really, really, really congratulate you on your nomination. And Thank I'm you. For you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. And there we have it. Another great episode. Thanks to our guests for being so generous. Thanks to you for listening and being a part of this community. This has been brought to you by Obsessed.com. Please check it out for fun videos and updates. And don't forget to find something that you're obsessed with.